Hey, welcome to Conversations with my dear friend, Jeff Conway. My name is Susan. This is A Different Kind of Walk. Hey. Hi. Um, so I will be, I'm actually going to put out two episodes this week. So I will need a, just like a health update for you. Um, yeah, nothing new. I'll have some new stuff in December after I meet with the nutritionist, probably. Okay. That's not until December, huh? Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I really haven't lost that much weight yet. i I drink a plant-based protein drink. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is uh, milk-based. You know, there's a big list of all the vitamins and all this stuff on, on all of them. And I mean, that's one thing I got to talk to Fran about. I, she didn't see anything that jumped out. For listeners, Fran is my mother-in-law, by the way. Because uh, I thought, oh, well, Fran's coming over. Yeah, she's a dietitian. She knows she knows some of this stuff. So mm-hmm. why don't I let her look at it instead of wait till you know Christmas time for the person to say, "Oh my gosh, you should never <laughs> be drinking that." So why have you been drinking this for three months? <laughs> so here I am. I'm not in bed. I'm in my heated electric. Ooh, it's <laughs> a two-up chair. Nice. Yeah, it stands me all the way up and moves the neck up and mm-hmm. yeah, all kinds of crazy things. So that's cool. So, so yeah. Is it comfy? Yeah, that's the only reason. I mean, I kept saying, no, 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 I don't want this. And they finally talked me into sitting in it and I went, oh, <laughs> so it's, it's really soft and. Yeah, it's nice having a heater, and I think Lumi and I took a five-hour nap yesterday together. Oh, <laughs> nice. Because he likes the heat also. It has regular heat, and then it has heat. Heat, very hot heat. And is that like the the whole chair will heat up, or just certain parts, or can you control different parts? Or You know, I don't feel comfortable talking about that with you. <laughs> I'm just going to heat my butt. <laughs> um, it's back, shoulder, and rump. Okay. Yeah, so it's all of them. And there's no massage stuff in it. Okay. Which I would not like. Yeah. And it goes completely flat and puts my feet above my head also. Oh, nice. Um, which the PT people want me to do for blood clots. Mm-hmm along with the compression socks. So, yeah. Um, Do you ever go get massages or would that, it does actually feel bad? Oh yeah. It feels awful. Mm. And I cramp. Okay. So it just hurts. Mm -hmm. They push deeper in a massage and then they move my legs certain ways and I'm in a complete total cramp where I have Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. 
stand up and jump on my foot to get it out or whatever. <laughs> yeah, there's just yeah. nothing pleasant about that at all. So, yeah. Susan. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. It's so nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you too. And there's Jeff as we speak. Hi. Look at that, those glasses. Oh. And you look so good. These are my monster glasses, so. <laughs> I love I it. So hello, everybody. I am very excited this morning to introduce you to Alexandria Nichols. She helped uh, on the Camino de Santiago as one of the pushers and pullers and encouragers. And it was wonderful getting to know her. So I want you all to get a chance to get to know her. So Alexandria Go ahead and introduce yeah. yourself. Well, this is my first time on a podcast, so very excited about that. Oh, um, good. Yeah, but uh, outside of the Camino life, I grew up in Arizona and then decided I wanted to go and explore a little outside of Arizona, and I was a swimmer. So I ended up going to a Division three school at Denison University in Ohio. Then three days after I graduated, I actually went and moved to High Point, North Carolina, where I started PT school four days after I graduated. Okay, so, so what was the degree at Denison then? Um, a biology. I, was, I got a okay. bachelor's of science in biology. I was tramping through the forest, battling ticks, which I had never dealt before in Arizona, and which is hilarious because I shouldn't have been afraid of ticks because I've been bitten by a rattlesnake. I don't know if we talked about that, Jeff. No, we didn't. You're yes. going to tell us that story. I will. So I, um, but anyhow, keeping on the biology story real quick, overall, I hated it. Um, and then a gap year really wasn't an option financially for me. Mm. Um, even though I kind of desperately really needed a break after undergrad. Um, but I literally started PT school four days after I wow. don't recommend that to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. how many years to three, get three, three straight. And I always like to say it is like medical school because I have to know enough not to kill someone and then know everything about the human body. So it's like medical school scrunched down. Um, and I had an advisor, like I said, who used to say, this is life boot camp. It's like crazy. I'm so glad it's over. That's all I'm <laughs> going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so you graduated when? So I graduated in 2020, right okay. as the pandemic was about to like take flight. Okay. Um, so you are doctor. I am. Not MD. I am not an MD. You are correct. Okay. Yeah, right. Doctor of Physical Therapy as it comes along. Okay. So. What was your typical kind of patient? Yeah, so 
I fell in love with the neurological population. I always tell you, if you have a knee pain, if you have a shoulder replacement, um, if you have anything orthopedic, I am not your therapist. I would honestly switch professions if I was that PT. Twirl, so, like, twirl, twirl. Exactly. All up the wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. But anything to do with the brain, overall stroke, um, brain injuries, um, really complex patients like heart transplants, you know, um, maybe you had like MS or PLS, for example, or anything very complex in like the neurological spectrum. But we did have occasional like if you had multiple comorbidities. So like you had a really bad heart and a hip replacement. I may have seen some of those like really hard movers, that kind okay. of thing. But overall, like anything in the neurological population. And that's how I ended up in California, which was I took my boards and I got a job in Modesto, California. And so that's how I started my career and was there for just a little under two years. And then knew that I needed to continue to grow. I was at a point where I wasn't like growing at that place anymore and picked, started applying across the country. And, and because picked, you're super, super phenomenal, you ended up where? At Mayo Clinic here in Rochester, Minnesota. Yeah. So that's how I'm here. And then like, when I, I had moved and literally then just went on the Camino with you. Yeah. I mean, was that three months that you worked or? Oh, like in Minnesota, I had worked three weeks. Three weeks. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. It was crazy. So um, I don't know when to bring this back because we're about to talk about the Camino, but you have to tell us about being bitten by a rattlesnake. Yeah. <laughs> were you yes. like um, rattlesnake wrangling or... Um, what were you doing that you got bit by a rattlesnake? I wish I could say it was that cool, but I was in second grade. Um, and, second grade? Uh-huh. I was a second grader. And so I remember this day like so vividly too. I was like swinging on her swing set and I can look over into my neighbor's yard. And so we like live in the desert, right? In Tucson. And my dad at the time, he used to catch rattlesnakes with like a big PVC pipe and then like go release them. Like kind of like what the fire department would do. And I said, dad, there's a rattlesnake in our neighbor's yard. Let's go get it. And I, he's like, great. So he took the road and I took like the brush behind our house. And I ended up like stepping in a bush. This is a sad part of the story as I never saw the thing, but I felt like, oh, the bush got me something happened. Like the bush just pricked me as a really active kid. So I was like, whatever, three steps later, I was on the ground. Like I couldn't walk, like I was hurting, couldn't walk, started crying. My mom comes down, steps over the same bush. I step in, helps me up and gets me back up to the house. And like, we're watching, like my legs start to swell up and like, it's coming up and we're like, okay, we have second to go. Graders, so you're really little. So the venom and venom, yeah, traveling pretty quickly. Right. Um, and so we go to urgent care and other neighbors, I mean, it all kind of was like divine intervention, kind of how it all worked out. They're like, oh, it's like a three hour wait. And our other neighbors were there who worked at the Desert Museum. And they took one look at my leg and they said, 
they went up to the nurse and they said, you need to get her back. She was just bitten by a rattlesnake. And so I go back and the ambulance started there for somebody else. Well, the paramedics come in and they start, literally, they took one look at me, start marking up how far the venoms traveled on my leg. And my dad was so disappointed because they didn't turn on the sirens for me in the ambulance. He told my mom that he had to go because he wanted the sirens, but they didn't even turn them on. (laughs) But Four days in ICU, Venom traveled up to almost my pelvis at the top of my thigh, 16 units of anti-venom, which was a lot for a second grader, a lot. Um, But they think rattlesnakes, fun fact, always come in pairs of two. Um, And the creator of the anesthetic for the anti-venom actually worked in Tucson at the University of Arizona at the time. And so she actually came in and talked to my parents about my case because of like how many cc's of anti-venom they had to give me but that was actually probably my first introduction to physical therapy because i was on crutches for a short amount of time but right yeah yeah i'm trying to think um i don't think i have one memory of second grade um or recall i don't know who my (laughs) teacher was or anything i know what school i went to i broke my wrist in second grade so i remember at a football Uh, game in the evening. Aww. And so I remember falling asleep in school the next day. So, Aww. okay. See, and you remember those traumatic things of second grade. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess nothing dramatic happened to me in the, the second grade. So when did you find out about the Camino de Santiago, not the accessibility trips, but the Camino de Santiago? Yeah, actually, I had a friend who, like, I watched her actually through social media, go on the Camino, and she did the whole thing. But I like looked at it, and what she was doing, and I was like, Oh, my goodness, this sounds amazing. So when you said the whole way, she did the French way then over the Pyrenees? Yep. The whole 500 miles. And, and so that's how I started kind of looking into the Camino. But then as I started researching more, I found Justin and Patrick and I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. I always kind of felt like, and even in my interview with Justin and Patrick, I said, I have a feeling this is going to change me more than it changes the people I help push. Mm -hmm. Right. And it was one of those things where It was kind of very selfish, but it was also like so fulfilling to be able to give back to, um, because I always say to my patients at the end of each treatment, it's my honor and privilege, um, because it, when they say thank you to me, because really I feel that same way treating, right. It's like every person I meet, like the same thing with you and meeting you, it's like my honor and privilege to meet you and, have that interaction because you know you're stamping my heart in a, a really special way and like just to be a part of your journey and your story that's almost like more important right for me than you being a part of mine if that I mean, makes sense. you were heaven sent for me so we'll talk about that um so you empowered me um, i'm so glad i actually remember jeff it was right after we had that chocolate 
I think it was on. We had to <laughs> the tequila meet chocolate. Him, the tequila chocolate. <laughs> so we can take um, thank Kathy for that. But like the funny part is about this whole situation was I didn't meet you the first day of the Camino. I didn't. You were like the. I didn't meet you on the welcome day. I didn't meet you on the first day of the Camino. And on the second day, I came up to you and I said, "I have a bone to pick with you." This is the famous Chef Conway, and I didn't get to meet you until today. And you like embraced me in a handshake and a hug, and we're on this trail. Like we're trying to like make this all happen, and we start talking actually about I think your diagnosis to start, and you were telling me more of your history. And you were telling me, I think, a little bit more of your frustrations about your diagnosis and you're frustrated with how things are going in the process. And I looked at you and I said, you are the expert. There is only like one person truly experiencing that. And that is you. Mm. And we started talking about like, you can start asking for these things. Um, You know, I think we forget as a patient that when doctors come in and they come in with their big white coats and they say, you know, this is what's happening. And like, yes, we want to take that into consideration, but you have this voice. I mean, white coat syndrome is real for a reason, but sometimes doctors forget all about their patient, right? They come in, they have this set mindset. Maybe they're looking at a set of one or two things. Someone said, oh no, this is outside my scope. I'm going to refer you to another physician. But they didn't look at you globally and saying, well, how can I maximize quality of life in the meantime? Maybe that's through a nutritionist. Maybe that's through a physical therapist. Maybe that's through, you know, a social worker, because if your home life wasn't very good, education is still the most powerful tool. And that's where, like, when I try to talk to patients, I try to think of the whole picture. This is what you should expect. If you are still experiencing these, go back to your doctor and say things are not right. So many people here settle for, okay, chronic pain, this is what it's going to be the rest of my life. I'm like, okay, maybe, but have we explored all our options? Have we looked holistically at you? And we just started going on and saying, okay, so let's get you hurt. How can we find the solutions to get you hurt? And I think that's my biggest advice to anyone who's a patient. We, I mean, we're all our patients of some physicians is saying that like, you know your body. You are the expert. You live in your body for how many years young you are. And you know that if you don't think something is right, trust your gut and then ask more questions. Don't be afraid. Like it's so intimidating when someone comes in and is the expert, but you are the expert. You have a PhD in your body and you. Amen. Yeah. Um, let's do a little commercial here because Susan, I'm realizing we've talked about the Camino de Santiago a lot, but um, we've never really given a description of what it is and why it's there and how long it's been there and all those kind of things. So in the ninth century, in the 800s, a person was said to have a spiritual experience that informed them that the bones of St. James, who tradition had said, uh, this is James the Great uh, of the disciples, apostles, had traveled to the Iberian Peninsula, which includes Spain now, and had done some preaching there, but was back in Jerusalem, um, was beheaded in Jerusalem, but 
his body was brought back to Spain, somebody in the ninth century had that experience and said, these bones are the bones of St. James. Mm-hmm. So folks were sent on pilgrimages to the Camino for penance and for spiritual growth. And it's interesting now, the only thing I would add is so many people now do it for different reasons too, right? The Camino really for each person is one, so individualized, but two, evolves along the way and kind of provides. I think you and I had talked about that on the trail. It Mm -hmm. provides what you need in that time. So I bought a t-shirt this time. Uh, This t-shirt started with the first word, Ranchevelez, which is the first albergue site in Spain when you cross the Pyrenees. And it has every town along, every single town along the town. So it's really tiny writing on this t-shirt that I found. I went, that's perfect. But what you will find interesting uh, in the PT world is that a number of the towns have hospital in their name because uh, when you're talking about those early pilgrims and what was it like um, just sleeping on the side of a trail or, um, you know, if there was a village, they did not have albergues, hostels as we think of them now, Uh, but they did have numerous towns along the way that had um, nuns and priests who ran hospitals for the pilgrims so wow. um, basically they were pt for the feet and other things that were going on and delousing and and you know just various challenges that were that were on the camino there yeah and um i'm reading a book that jeff told me to read called god's hotel and it's um the woman who writes it is a doctor and um it's all about these alms houses that were throughout Europe, like in every town, exactly what you're talking about. And and she talks about the um so look like the word hospital comes from the word hospitality. It also it's also the same root as hospice. Um and all of those all of those words are connected. And so that's like that's exactly what you're talking about, Jeff. Um, those nuns and priests. Right. Those. Yeah those places where people could go and yeah. So very fun. So hospital is also rooted with the word chocolate. No, it's not. (laughs) Um, Because all people of hospitality and people with sore feet and sore bodies would need some chocolate when they were walking through, I think. (laughs) Well, I, I like living in your world and I'll, I'll say that chocolate's related to hospital for you. All right. That's very good. That's very good. So you need to read God's Hotel. Who is that by, Susan? Victoria Sweet. She's phenomenal. I have adored this book. Um, That makes me so happy. Okay. God's Hotel. I can remember that. She studied... Hildegard. St. Hildegard in Germany. Um, she was a, she was a doctor and a theologian. And, um, but this was, you know, like pre-modern medicine. So Victoria Sweet, Dr. Dr. Sweet, she learns about pre-modern medicine and then applies it to her own 
practice and things like that and tells these just beautiful lovely stories um and it's it's so good and she also goes on the camino and talks a little bit about it in the book that sounds amazing okay it's on my list so if if you feel comfortable with this um uh, can you talk about your spiritual thoughts your spiritual background what you brought there to the camino yeah so like i feel like i've been constantly on the go, right. In regards to the fact that like school haven't had a lot of time to focus on just like that journey. And one of the things that I think we talked about a lot that I really brought in is like, I really struggled with, I'm really struggling. It's a continuous thing about like finding my place. And like, I don't feel like I'm doing exactly what necessarily I, I am called to do. I actually had a great conversation with Molly and Molly was on the Camino with us, obviously. And she, we kind of talked about like using our gifts. Like, I don't think I fully explored that. I don't think I really listened to God on like what he wants me to do. And I kind of just, I feel in this big state of unrest. Um, I feel better once I've come back from the Camino, but I just don't, I haven't feel like I found my place. And like, I don't think that's exactly how I want to describe it, but it's the best words I have right now. And so let me be a dad a little bit here for a second. Cause I, you know, I text you. I don't know when I text you a few weeks ago, but you're going through so much transition right now. My big encouragement to you is what you tell your patients, which is, breathe yes because when you take those deep breaths as pt folks have helped me learn and nurses more than doctors uh is that when you take those deep breaths it starts to relax those shoulder muscles down your body yep as you do that so spiritually in this time of transition that you're in and coming back from the camino i'd really encourage you to breathe well first let me tell you you can be a dad to me anytime and I literally had tears in my eyes when you texted me I you like literally sensed what I needed in that moment but like you can be a dad anytime and you are so right I'm not the best at taking my own advice but I always tell my patients to breathe So Thank talk you. a little bit more about your um, walking experience. So my walking experience was just, I like to say magical, but like meeting all these new people and hearing stories. I think that's what touched me the most. Like Vicki was one of our other captains. So one of our other wheelchair users, she was one who has been in her chair for quite some time now. And she um, went in with Melissa, who was, you know, she is legally blind and Vicki has had several strokes. Um, 
and she's in a chair. And then Donna has spina bifida and just is this bubbly human. And both of them have this determination and like sheer fire in them and willpower. And I think walking along and just really watching and kind of taking a step back and listening to them and the journey, it was just like wind was like pushing sails. Like that's like kind of how I describe it all the way through. And there's just so much camaraderie and joy with that. And my favorite part of the Camino actually, Jeff, was when we crossed that river uh, and Donna went through the mud, like probably what, 50 feet through mud and then water and then incline of rocks. And I just remember, obviously, everybody's in tears and crying. And she told Justin, thank you for making this hard. Thank you for making me work for it. Wow. I did not hear her say that. Yeah. And so that's what makes this beautiful. That's what like makes life beautiful is when you get to enjoy the sweet moments, even when they're hard or even when you're climbing the mountain and then the sheer determination that sometimes you have to get to reach the top of your mountain. So where were you standing at that point? Because I was behind it watching. Yeah, I was in front of her and I was standing right near the bridge at the end. And so I watched her head on. And, and, you know, the funny thing about that whole story is I did not help anyone across that bridge. For me, this is like a really interesting point. I, everybody was so hands-on in that moment, like almost to the point where like, there were too many people helping. Like when Vicky was coming across, there was like eight people. And sometimes like as a PT, sometimes I'm better helping stepping back and being able to step back. It was like God's gift to me. of like, you can't help right now. This is where you need to need to watch. Mm. And I was feeling like before watching Donna, I was feeling so unhelpful. I was like, I'm not helping anyone. I'm feeling like I'm slacking. I'm feeling like I'm not, you know, doing what I'm supposed to. But then like walking away from that moment, I was like, nope, God wanted me to be like watching and listening. Yeah. I can almost cry right now as you're talking about it. Yeah. Um, Same. (laughs) Well, Alexandria Nichols, I am so privileged to have been on the Camino with you uh, and continue to the journey with you. Oh, that's how I feel about you. And I'm just so proud of you for advocating for yourself. That's the hardest thing to do as a patient, especially when you feel so helpless. Um, But like I told you, until I had a conversation with you. So you brought me past cluelessness to, yeah, then said, go do it. And I, I did it. So thank you very much. Always. Thanks for joining us for A Different Kind of Walk. Until next time, live well.